Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Psalm 51. Psalm 51, we'll be reading the 19 verses of this chapter. Psalm 51, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. We are continuing tonight our study of the Psalms, and we have seen that uh, the Psalms as a whole begin with an introduction. Psalms 1 and 2 introduce the collection to us. Psalm 1 telling us what the Psalms are about. They are about the way of the righteous versus the way of the wicked. Psalm 2 telling us whom the Psalms are about. They are about God's anointed. The Psalms ultimately point us to Jesus Christ. We have seen that there are three main types of Psalms. There are the hymns of praise that we can pray to God when things are going well. There are the laments when we call out to God in distress. And there are songs of thanksgiving to thank God when he hears us and answers our call. And then last time we talked about the fact that there are also subtypes of Psalms. Last time, looking at a subtype of the hymns, which was a creation psalm. 
how the creation itself brings glory to God. Tonight, looking at a subtype of the laments. And we call these the penitential psalms. There are seven of them in the Psalter. I have them listed on the outline tonight. Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalm 38, Psalm 51, 102. I omitted 130. That should be there as well. And then 143. And many of those we have sung or read this evening. Seven penitential psalms that cry out to God because of our sin. Tonight we look at Psalm 51 probably one of the most well-known of the penitential psalms. The psalms give voice to our pleas. Well, tonight, if you are struggling with sin, if you are feeling that weight of God upon you, this psalm gives a voice to your plea. We should talk just a bit about the title to this psalm. I know this is not a class on Hebrew exegesis, but we should talk a little bit about what the titles do for us in the Psalter. Uh, this psalm title says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Uh, there are many titles over psalms in the Psalter. Some of them uh, give us a musical reference, like this psalm, to the choir master. Some of them give us the author of the psalm, like this psalm, a psalm of David. And there are a few, there are 14 psalms that also give us a historical reference to why and when the psalm was hidden. Now, we have um, never held to the fact that these titles are inspired or infallible or inerrant. They can be helpful to us. I like how Old Testament uh, scholar Tremper Longman puts it, the psalms, the title of the psalms can inform us of the context but we need not twist the psalm to make it fit the context. In this particular psalm, it is very helpful to us. This title, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. It reminds us of the context of 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12 and David's sin with Bathsheba. Perhaps you remember that story, children. How David saw this woman, and he thought she was beautiful, but she was married to someone else. Yet David went to her and treated her as if she was his wife. And she became pregnant and was expecting a child. David tried to cover up his sin by having her husband, who had been serving in the military, come home to be with her. But that didn't seem to work out very well for him. So what David did is he took this man, he took Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, sent him back into battle and told the commanders, put Uriah out in front of the battle. And that's exactly what they did. And Uriah was killed. David, David lived with that sin. And about a year later or so, Nathan the prophet would come and confront David with his sin. The reason I suggest it's about a year later or so because by this time the child of Bathsheba has been born. And, and in light of that confrontation by Nathan, David pens this psalm, Psalm 51, a penitential psalm. David begins 
by acknowledging his sin. Verse 1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. David knows to whom he must turn. For forgiveness, he must turn to God. He makes the plea. Recall the structure of the lament. There's a plea that is made. This plea made to God, because David David simply can't continue to live this way. He can't continue to live with his sin. And so he calls out, cleanse me, wash me. I no longer can cover this up. But he acknowledges his sin to God. Verse 3, for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. My sin is ever before me. During that year, between the time of David's sin and the time he was confronted, must have been a difficult year for him. I know my transgression. It's always before me. I think of it all the time. I know what I have done. And David, David waits before he will confess that sin. He waits until he's confronted by Nathan. But the, the weight of God's Spirit upon his conscience weighs heavy upon him. Maybe, maybe we've experienced that in our life. We have a sin, something we have hidden, something we are keeping hidden, something we have not confessed yet. And then, and then we talk with a friend and hear a casual comment and they make some casual comment and we say, do they know what I've done? Why did they say that thing at that time? Maybe, maybe we hear a sermon, a certain sermon example, and we think, does he know what I've done? And that sin weighs on us. I know my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Tonight, if you are feeling the weight of the Holy Spirit upon you, if you have unconfessed, hidden sins, tonight God calls you, don't ignore the work of His Spirit. Don't don't continue to hide that sin to keep it unconfessed. But turn to God. He knows you. He will answer your call. He will forgive you. Don't continue to live with that, that oppression. I know my transgression. It is ever before me. David goes on, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Against you only I have sinned? David has sinned against Bathsheba in their relationship. David has sinned against Uriah by killing him. David had sinned against the army by having them go to a battle they could not win. David had sinned against the people of God. He was their leader. And yet he would would do this terrible sin against God. Against you, you only, have I sinned? David uses these words here to remind us that ultimately... All sin is against God. It puts our sin in its proper context. There are others who may be affected, but ultimately, all sin is against God. And how serious our sin is. 
It is not simply a disagreement among us, but it's a sin against God. Children, that's your, the case in, with you too. Children, if you, are, if you are angry with your brother or sister, it's the brother or sister God gave you. And if you say bad things to them or bad things about them, that's not only a sin against them, it's a sin against God. David helps us to recognize the seriousness of our sin against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He goes on, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. What was the judgment of God upon the sin of David? The judgment of God upon David's sin was the child born to him and Bathsheba that child died. And we say that seems so harsh. That seems so unloving. But David recognizes his sin is ultimately against a holy God. So that God, he says to God, you are justified in your words. You are blameless in your judgment. Paul will say in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. David knew that experientially in the death of the child. You are justified in your words, O God. You are blameless in your judgment. David goes on, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David talks about how bad his sin is. He said, my sin is not simply a couple things I do, that I do or don't do something. Not that I do sin, I am a sinner. And I was brought forth that way. We talk about total depravity, that every part of us is stained with sin. David recognizes that. Sin isn't a few things I do or fail to do. It is the way I am. I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. And he says, behold, You delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. God had had revealed his way to David. He knew what he was doing. He knew it was wrong. He knew God delighted in faithfulness. David, David deliberately chose to reject the ways of God. And that sin haunted him. He doesn't hold anything back to God. He opens up his heart to God. He acknowledges what he has done. And that acknowledgement moves him to ask and to pray for forgiveness. In the second section of this psalm, verses 7 through 12, he says, verse 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Perhaps we don't catch the reference made in purge me with hyssop. It's a reference to the work of the priests in the Old Testament. We think of a story like Leviticus chapter 14. Those who were declared unclean, and if miraculously God would cleanse them, they would go to the priest, and the priest would look at them, and he with hyssop would sprinkle them. Their uncleanness would remove them from the fellowship of God's people. They would have to live outside the camp. But when the priest would sprinkle the hyssop, the blood and the hyssop, they would be restored. 
It's a picture of restoration. Restoration to fellowship with God's people, fellowship with God himself. David says, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. I think um, I've made no secret of the fact that I certainly prefer a Southern California winter to a Midwest winter. Uh, but there is something beautiful about the first snow in the Midwest. Uh, the first snow comes down after two or three months, it just gets tiring. But the first snow comes down and it covers everything. And it's white and it hangs on the branches of the trees. And there is a certain beauty to the first falling of snow. David says, that's how I am made clean. I am washed, I am whiter, even than that first snow that comes. He says, wash me, wash me, I will be whiter than snow. And David uses a particular word uh, for washing here. There were a couple different words he could have chosen. There is the word uh, rahatz. A rahatz is, um, is uh, what you tell your children to do when they have to come in from playing and get ready for dinner. You would say, yaladim rahatz yazim, wash your hands, wash your hands. That, that, that getting the dirt off the outside of your hands. David doesn't use the word rahatz here. David uses the word kavas, kavas. This is the connotation of a stain that is soaked into your clothes, a stain that has set. And now that, that set stain needs to be removed. It is not simply external. It is an internal cleansing. David prays for a cleansing of his heart. God, don't simply forgive my sins, but take away the root of that sin, that root which remains inside of me. This is his prayer for cleansing. That God would not simply uh, wash the outside, but that his heart would be changed. A prayer for cleansing and a prayer for renewal. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. A prayer for renewal a prayer for restoration, that this clean heart would be a new heart. Elsewhere, Scripture speaks about a heart of stone turned to a heart of flesh. We have a new heart that desires after God, a change only God can accomplish. No one can change a heart but God himself. Change me, David says. Restore me, renew me, refresh me. Give me that new heart that I might serve you. He says in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I'm always struck by that. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. When David was living in his unconfessed sin, when he was living during that year before Nathan confronted him, he had not lost his salvation. He still knew he belonged to God. 
But he had lost the joy. He had lost the joy of knowing he belonged to God because he refused to confess his sin. And we would do the same thing. When we refuse to acknowledge our sin, when we refuse to confess our sin, we can still be a child of God. But we are robbed of the joy of that salvation. God's hand by His Spirit is heavy upon us, and the joy of belonging is gone. Again, tonight, if you are, if you are still living with unconfessed sin, and you're, you lack that joy, God calls you tonight. Acknowledge your sin and pray for His forgiveness. He is a God who is faithful. He is a God who hears the cries of His people. He is the God who will answer and restore to you the joy of the salvation of belonging to Jesus Christ. David acknowledges his sin, prays to God for forgiveness, and then finishes this last section of the psalm, verses 13 to the end. He says in verse 13, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodlessness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Knowing the depth of his sin, knowing the forgiveness he'd received from God, David says, and now I'm going to talk about it. Now I'm going to tell others what you have done. I'm going to tell them of your grace. I'm going to tell them of your mercy, that even though my sin was heinous, it was against you. You forgave the guilt of my sin. You've given me a new heart. I am now whiter than snow. I will tell others the goodness of the Lord. We know our sin. We know what we have done. And we know God's forgiveness of that sin in Jesus Christ. We can relate to the first section of this psalm, acknowledging our sin, the second section, asking for forgiveness. Have we lived into the third section of this psalm? then I will teach transgressors your ways. I will tell other people. O oh Lord, open my lips, and I will declare your praise. Do we pray that prayer? Lord, open my lips, that I might tell others of your greatness, what you have done. When we are in conversations at work or at school or at the coffee shop, wherever it might be, and the conversation moves toward the things of the Lord, do we say, Lord, open my lips and I will declare your praises? Or do we try as hard as we can to avoid the conversation and to keep our mouth shut? Perhaps, perhaps we're afraid of what might happen. What, is, what does David say? I will teach transgressors your ways and then they're going to return to you as well. When I tell them what you have done for me, your grace, O oh God, will encourage them that they will confess their sins. That was David's confidence. Not that he would be uh, uh, shunned, put aside, but that he would remind others that this forgiveness, which he now knew experientially, they could know as well. If only they would confess and know what God has done for them. 
He says, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. A heart broken by the love and mercy of God. A heart that now desires to declare to others what he has done for us. It will be a blessing to us as individuals and a blessing to the church. That's how he ends. Do good to Zion, to God's people, in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices. As we acknowledge what God has done for us, as we encourage others to confess their sins as well, God's church is built up. The walls of Zion are made strong. We're reminded again of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done for us and what he promises to do for each and every one who confesses their sins and turns to him asking for forgiveness. That's, that's the word of God to you tonight. The glories of God's work in saving sinners. Do not hide, do not cover up, do not excuse but acknowledge your sin before God. Look to Him and know the joy, the joy of salvation. The Psalms give us a voice. The penitential Psalms give us a voice to speak of our sin and to turn to God asking for forgiveness. Tonight, God calls you. Take these words upon your lips. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David lived for about a year with that sin weighing down upon him. People of God, don't live one more day if you are under that oppression of the Holy Spirit. But tonight, acknowledge Tonight, confess and know the joy of salvation. And knowing that, you can declare the truth to others as well. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do acknowledge before you that we are fallen, we are sinful. We have not lived as you have instructed us. Against you, you alone have we sinned, O God, and done what is evil in your sight. And so we ask that for the sake of Jesus Christ, you would purge us with hyssop. You would wash us and make us whiter than snow. Let us hear joy and gladness. Hide your face from our sins. Blot out all our iniquities. Lord God, restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with a willing spirit. Thank you for your promises in your word a word which is always true. Thank you that, that tonight we are once again reminded that there is an answer to our sin. It is not found in ourselves. It is found in you and the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you give us the penitential psalms to give voice to our cries for mercy. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to 94 in the Psalter hymnal. This is a setting of Psalm 51. God, be merciful to me. On thy grace I rest my plea. Plenteous in compassion thou. Blot out my transgressions now. Wash me, 
Make me pure within. Cleanse, oh, cleanse me from my sin. We're going to sing all four verses. Let's stand together as we sing. <laughs>